schwangunkjournal.com, and from listeners like you. Welcome to the local edition news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. And tonight we're kicking off uh, what essentially is a week of year in review, wrapping up the year that was getting ready for the year ahead. Tomorrow we've got climate reporter Lissa Harris joining us for the entire episode, a half-hour-long conversation about climate and environmental news in New York State in 2022. And it all kicks off tonight. Starting with what we always do on a Monday night, we check in with the latest from Sullivan County. Tim Bruno recently spoke to Dan, who's communication director for Sullivan County Government. A big year, 2022, for Sullivan County government. You have the accomplishments of the legislature, a draft form of that. We're going to talk a little bit about some of these highlights. Let's start off with uh, taxes, everyone's favorite. What were some of the highlights in terms of the government's role in taxation this year? Well, everyone hates taxes, but it's, uh, what do we call it, a necessary evil, I guess. Um, but I know this legislature in particular, and certainly uh, the county manager as well, are keenly aware, they're all local taxpayers, of the high tax burden that exists in New York State. And how, even though we're a smaller part of that uh, compared to other taxing entities, we're still a significant part. And people just really can't afford more. And uh, so this legislature this year had an eye towards, well, getting our debt under control, um, getting our personnel costs under control, uh, which all allows us to get taxes under control. And I would say 2022, there was a concerted effort on all sides to reach that goal. And so the proposed 2023, or adopted actually, 2023 budget won't be raising taxes. Uh, it was a small tax increase for this year, but one of the big things that'll happen too in 2023 is the elimination of the solid waste access fee, which will save people between $45 and as much as $750 per parcel of property. Um, $9 million in short-term debt has been retired this year. All the outstanding labor union contracts with county employees were settled. That's a first in the history of the legislature, which stretches back 27 years. Um, and, and settling these kinds of contracts means that the budget office can more confidently predict what costs will be in the future, especially for personnel costs, which are a huge part of the budget. And so we can plan in a much better way than we could in the past when there always seemed to be at least one, two, three labor union contracts that still needed to be settled. Uh, of course, this year, too, um, $4 million of taxpayers' money uh, was put aside to help SUNY Sullivan build an indoor sports arena and swim center that's going to be constructed in the next few years that we expect are going to be uh, real huge destinations, whether you're going for swimming or you're going to go around the track or you want to rent part of the facility for some sort of event or party. We could host sports conferences there. Uh, and then, of course, for, I think, now the uh, third year in a row, Sullivan County has been marked free of any kind of fiscal stress 
according to the state comptroller's office. So that shows that there has been very prudent fiscal management of the county, not just by the legislature, but by the people who are dealing with day by day, our county manager's office, our budget office, our audit office, that makes sure that every single purchase we make uh, is properly accounted for. So taxpayers can rest on the fact that while they may not like paying what they're paying, that the money that they are paying is being put to its best and most efficient use. Another highlight is a historic $21 million for road and bridge work throughout the county, and that is to be achieved without going into debt by bonding. Is that correct? Yep, and that was achieved also this year. Uh, This year there was uh, $12 million of road and bridge work uh, that was completed without any need for bonding. We paved 39 miles of roads. That's 20 more miles than we did in 2021. We repaired another 36 miles, sealed, like put that tar on it to seal cracks, 52 miles, and we painted, or restriped, as they call it in our public works division, 79 miles of road. Uh, and I have to tell you, uh, living over on the Pennsylvania side of the river, but traveling most of the time in Sullivan County, our roads are superior, our county roads are <laughs> superior to the state roads in Pennsylvania. You definitely notice a difference. Oh, yes. Uh, so there's a lot of money going to the things that people want to see it going to, which is, like we said, the roads and the bridges. This year, two bridges were completely replaced. These are million, multi-million dollar projects. Four others underwent significant rehab, and we continue to repair bridges as well. So this fiscal situation that we're in is giving us a chance to at least keep pace with the repair needs for our roads and bridges, where in past years, we were just sort of struggling to keep up. You mentioned that SUNY Sullivan investment, the roads and bridges, of course, were there other infrastructure highlights from the year? Yeah, really uh, centered at our airport. Our airport has existed for over 50 years, and a lot of folks have been like, well, what's it there for, and why does it never generate revenue, and it's just for the wealthy and the elite to use? And all of those things are true in some respects, but also having learned to fly actually there myself. uh, It's also for general aviation enthusiasts. But what this legislature and county has been really focused on is making it a revenue generator. It has the potential to be that, especially considering that all the airports closer or in New York City have filled right up. And yet we have a a runway that is long enough to accommodate a jet airliner, a full passenger jet airliner if it needed to land or take off there, and certainly has the ability to uh, add more hangar space, uh, accommodate cargo operations. It's never going to be, at least not uh, in the foreseeable future, some sort of passenger hub. But in terms of business, freight, or emergency operations, it has huge potential. And that's why Hatsola Air, which is a charitable organization that uh, does emergency uh, medical transportation flights all over the world with jet aircraft, has chosen the airport not only as a new base, but eventually for their world headquarters. That's really exciting news, and that's a game changer. We just granted a lease to a helicopter company interested in having office space at the airport and eventually bringing their helicopters there. We uh, landed an $18.5 million state grant to begin major improvements uh, at the airport. This was a competitive grant, and the state saw the potential in Sullivan County Airport being a, a much bigger 
player in the aviation world than it currently is. And this will include a new terminal building and uh, some other infrastructure that is just going to make it more attractive and, as I said, be a revenue generator so that taxpayers aren't footing the bill for this airport in any way, shape, or form. They're actually seeing a benefit from it, uh, even if they're not using it. And in other infrastructure as well, we erected a cell tower in the Rock Hill area that we had been working on that now is providing both public and emergency communications in a long underserved area. I had always been a little surprised that traveling in Rock Hill, even on Route 17, that you couldn't necessarily have reliable cell phone service. Well, now you can because we've got the carriers who have their um, antennae, uh, up on that cell tower, and we also are putting up emergency communications equipment up there so that our first responders can have reliable service there as well. Only other infrastructure piece that I absolutely want to mention is our partner, the Delaware Company, who we contracted with, took over full operations of Fort Delaware, the Museum of Colonial History in Narrowsburg. It's still county owned, but it's operated by the Delaware Company, which is in part run by our county historian, John Conway, uh, the executive director being his wife, Deborah Conway. Uh, and they have really brought renewed life to an iconic part of the county. And we've now got people who are focused on making sure that we have full staffing and a full slate of programming there. Let's move on to something that dominated the topic of conversation for the last few years, still does in some ways, is public health and public safety. As we emerge from uh, you know three years of COVID-19, we also seen, saw some other challenges this year in the area, RSV, uh, pertussis, measles. Uh, what, what were some of the, uh, the highlights in terms of turning this around in terms of getting back into a more normal pace of life emerging from this pandemic? Well, it's required a new way of, of operating for all our facilities and offices, but particularly public health, our public health office uh, under our Division of Health and Human Services. And as things moved from COVID-19 to monkeypox to flu to RSV, they just moved with it. I am in constant awe of the work that they do there because every time you turn around, there's a new vaccination clinic that they are offering either at their location or in partnership with some other location. We learned how to make everything go right. And by now, we're really well uh, adjusted to making sure that we get people in and out of these locations as quickly and efficiently as possible. And I think you talk to folks who have gone to our public health clinics, they tell you they were very impressed, not only with how fast it was done, but how humanely they were treated. Our public health folks, even if they don't know you, they treat you as a human being, not as a number. Uh, we also were distributing over 30,000 masks to county residents uh, earlier in the year. We were distributing thousands of COVID-19 at-home test kits. We're still doing that. We also now have a neighbor in the public health building, the State Department of Health. They were planning to close their Monticello office and move completely out of the county. Well, we talked to them about it, especially since the public was like, we don't want to lose our local uh, state health office. And we worked out an agreement to have them use space in our public health building. We also partnered with a healthcare provider downstate called Bridge Back to Life to bring a mobile health trailer to uh, the county where it goes all over Sullivan County to bring needed medical and substance use services. You know, not everybody can make it to our Liberty location. Well, this comes to you instead of you having to come to us. 
we saw the creation of a much-needed methadone clinic in Monticello, which opened this past fall. This is an effort to get a real handle on our opioid use in Sullivan County. Unfortunately, we're at the top of those rankings uh, uh, statewide, and this is something that we can't ignore. I'm proud to say that we just have opened another one of these clinics at our social services campus in Liberty. So we're very much focused on public health. Uh, Just because the pandemic, quote, is passed, doesn't mean that we've reduced our workload in any way, shape, or form. A headline that uh, struck me back in September showed that Sullivan County led the state in job growth, even ahead of New York City. And last I checked, we still are, actually. Uh, That's a testament to the fact that we are a growing county. We've seen our population uh, increase. We've seen uh, our second home population increase. A lot of folks who had wanted to leave the city during and after the pandemic have found a happy home up here, uh, even if it's just part-time, weekend, or during the summer. Um, But we've had to expand. Our businesses have had to expand to meet that increased demand. Of course, we've always been known as a leisure and hospitality destination. So big places like Bethel Woods and Resorts World and Cartwright, they're always hiring. And they've been increasing their hiring now that they are uh, past their pandemic uh, shutdowns as well. But we've got downtowns, just what we would call our mom and pop stores that are thriving and are opening up left and right. There are many downtowns where a vacant spot, a vacant storefront is a thing of great value and that people are finding all sorts of different interesting places to shop and to patronize. And they're meeting folks who they're going to see again and again and develop a a relationship with. And those folks, they need to hire more people to, to meet that demand because, of course, when you're going downtown and you have a great experience, you tell other people about it. That means more people are coming to these businesses. That means you have to expand your workforce. So our job growth continues to be high, and not just in the retail and tourism sectors, but also in industry and in construction. There's a lot of building going on. It seems like every road you go down, there's a new house being built someplace, and that's all contributing to our incredible job growth rate. But we've had other things going on, too, that are are helping our economy and our development of our workforce. I'm I'm really proud uh, to talk about the fact that Move Sullivan, our bus transportation program, has been expanded from two routes to four. It doubled in size and at the same time went from $2 a trip to $0 a trip. You don't have to pay anything. Whether you live here or you're a visitor or just passing through, you get a free ride wherever you want to go. And how often does that happen? Um, And we cover a good portion of the county. It's designed to be a workforce development tool, a a commuter tool to get people from where they live to where they work or where they want to shop or to a a healthcare appointment. So we're serving Liberty, Monticello, Wurtsboro, Bloomingburg, and we're expanded out now to White Lake and Swan Lake, uh, over to Lock Sheldrake, South Fallsburg, Woodridge, the places where these employers, these healthcare organizations are centered. And that's really made a difference in so many people's lives, and we are seeing ridership numbers grow as a result of that. 
We also uh, instituted the Sullivan Promise Scholarship Program this year. SUNY Sullivan just put out a great press release about talking about several students who were Sullivan County High School graduates who got their first year of tuition at SUNY Sullivan paid for by Sullivan County and how much it changed their lives and the, the promise that it has. That's why we call it the Sullivan Promise Scholarship Program. In 2023, the legislature is expanding that to two full years of paid tuition, again, without raising taxes. And when you think about it, the cost of college these days and how many young people and even middle-aged people are still paying off college debt this is a huge game changer and I think is also going to, to really help keep our local high school graduates in Sullivan County, at least for the start of their higher education. And we want them to see what kind of a gem SUNY Sullivan really is. It's where I started and uh, where I went on from there on to uh, a four-year college, and it was a great beginning. And that was, well, 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, a good, you're a good role model. Um, we yeah. just have a few minutes to go. You will have this uh, report up on the website for the county website at SullivanNY.us. Yep, later this week, once uh, we have made sure that we have everything in it, it's actually at this point four pages, and you look at it and you realize we are a growing county. Lots happening here, and we should be excited about living and working here. Well, before we go, any personal highlight for you from the year that you'd like to share? There's all sorts of different little stories I could tell, but I think I'm going to do it from the 30,000-foot view. I get to work with an incredible team. Uh, One of the things I love about my job is telling the stories of the people who work here because we've got nearly a 1,000 employees, and they work hard, and they work in all sorts of interesting ways and in interesting offices doing things that really make a difference in so many lives from social services to public works, from our airport to our jail, from the government center to the courthouse. There's just so many stories to tell, and I'm a storyteller, um, but it's things that should make you feel good about the county that you live in. And the fact that, yeah, even though the tax burden can sometimes be feel very burdensome, uh, that it is funding some very worthwhile programs run by people who care 110% for this community and want to make it a better place. We've been talking to Dan Hoost, Director of Communications in the Sullivan County Manager's Office, Sullivan County, New York. Dan, thanks for joining us and Happy New Year. To you as well. Thank you, Tim. Thank you to Dan Hoost for checking in with us on this episode of Local Edition, for checking in with us all year long and all the great work that he does. And thanks to Tim Bruno for doing that interview. When we come back, we will get a reporter's take on some of the very same topics you just heard discussed in that segment. Stay with us. You are listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. I want to wish everyone happy Kwanzaa and peace and blessings for the new year. From me, Kusar Grace at the Music Emporium. Stay safe. Keep yourself safe. And please remember the WJFF Radio Catskill isn't on your radio. 
your radio really isn't on. Peace. Hotep Uhuru. Vet to Vet of Sullivan County understands how difficult the winter months and the holidays can be for veterans, service members, and their families. Through the PFC Joseph P. Dwyer Peer Support Program, help is available. Call 845-794-4228 and ask to speak with a veteran advocate or connect on Facebook and Instagram at vet to vet of Sullivan County. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call the Veterans Crisis Line by dialing 988 and press 1. Paid for by Action Toward Independence. First is they just passed their budget. They've been touting after hearing from auditors and stuff that they have uh, financial stability, which is uh, something that they... Uh, the chairman and such as claimed hasn't been necessarily the case for, for some years prior. They recently invested in the budget some investment in some programs like Sullivan Promise Scholarship started this year where they um, covered uh, tuition for every Sullivan County resident going to SUNY Sullivan for a year of a degree program. So with the budget, they've expanded it to two years. Uh, they've also uh, moved Sullivan, uh, the bus system, used to only have two routes. This year they expanded it to four routes and there's more funding for that. The airport has been something I've covered a lot of um, in the last couple of years. It's had some some strides. Fuel sales have been rising there. Uh, in August, they had already surpassed the number of fuel sales that they had for the entire year for uh, 2021, which is big news. I don't have a final number yet for this year, uh, but they expect it to be the highest on record um, because it had already surpassed it. But obviously, as far as the conclusion, uh, Hotzilla Air uh, opened up a hangar there at, at the airport, which was a, which a big story. Uh, helicopter charter service is currently looking at uh, possibly sending up shop there. And they continue to get a lot of federal uh, state grants for rehab projects at the airport. So they've rehabbed some hangars, they've done the runway, they've done uh, terminals about to get done. So, you know, the airport superintendent actually told me this year that within the span of about five years, they um, have uh, pretty much redone the whole airport. Um, so there's a lot to look there as far as, um, you know, they still obviously have bigger goals and want to attract more business there, but it looks like it's moving in a positive trajectory. Um, as far as finances going back in on stability and stuff, uh, the county recently announced that they all the union contracts have been settled with multiple years on them, which uh, is something that's never been done in, le- in the legislature's history. They've been around since the mid-90s, this form of government. Um, and so... With that, that kind of gives the county some certainty as far as and, and knowing like how much is going to be allocated every year uh, for those contracts and stuff. So when they look to do other projects and stuff, it gives them more of a complete picture of what they can and can't do. Uh, but that's some of the positives. Um, now I'll shift over with legislature to some of the not so positives or some of the uh, challenges that have existed there. So it's been well documented by me, Liam, and other folks that have come on the show uh, that the county legislature doesn't always get along with one another. Uh, in fact, there's uh, sort of two factions that exist. Um, and so usually those, it's uh, Chairman Rob Doherty uh, with M- Majority Leader Alan Sorensen, Michael Brooks, legislators Nick Salamone and George Conklin. Then on the other side, you have Joe Perillo, Iris Steingart, Nadia Reich, and Louis Alvarez. And they kind of have, have gone back and forth with each other for various issues. Um, at times, uh, it flares up. And two big arguments that happened this year, particularly between um, Steingart and Doherty, started with redistricting. So redistricting was a big topic in New York uh, as a state. Obviously, they had to redo the maps several times, and there was so much confusion. But locally, they also had to redistrict the legislative districts. 
And, um, and they did that through the process. But at the beginning of the process, the thought was, and the idea was is that we were going to talk to the map maker as a group, give them our sort of parameters or what we expected expectation. And then after that, he was going to go make the maps. The only person he was going to communicate with would be the county manager, Josh Potosik. And when it was done, we'd make a decision on the maps. Once the maps came out, um, Ira Steingart had uh, the minority leader had had challenged whether or not there were people who had influence on the maps or not, just because of the outcome, and asked even for them to ask for an affidavit to, to, for the gentleman to uh, to say whether or not anyone contacted him. Um, and he actually asked the chairman directly, "Did you have any contact with him?" The chairman claimed he did not. So that was sort of a, a, a argument that existed between the two of them. Uh, later on in, into the fall, uh, there was some discussion about the bed tax committee, which uh, the county has, uh, when it redid its contract with the Visitors Association a few years ago, they get some bed tax money. or Well, they redid it, but they've always gotten bed tax money. But they, they started this tourism enhancement program where it's this money from bed tax is going to go in there and they're going to eventually uh, develop a process for how organizations can apply for the funding. And it's really looking to do what um, the same purpose is, is the money they got there. How do they get heads on beds? How do they attract uh, more people to the area? And which was obviously great financially for the, for the county. And that committee, the thought was that the steering committee would sort of be in charge with kind of planning this out. And the steering committee for the legislature, just for those that don't know, are uh, exists of the majority leader, the minority leader, the chair of the legislature, the vice chair. Uh, and then also they decided they were also going to add Nadia to this committee because she's a legislator that kind of covers the river corridor. At least she did um, after re-election next year, once in 2023, when the when the 2024, I should say, when the new maps go into effect, um, she will no longer necessarily be on the river corridor um, entirely. Uh, so, but for now, you know, she was put there to, to have this discussion. Well, then uh, Steingart had brought up that Alan Sorensen shouldn't serve on this committee of knowing where funds would be going and such because he is a planning commissioner in Orange County. So he deemed that as a conflict of interest. And there was some back and forth amongst the legislature. And Alan said he didn't want, you know, any stain to be on the use of the funds or whatnot. So on his own volition, he chose to, res- to recuse himself from that committee. And another big story that's been ongoing for years, we're in the throes of an opioid crisis here in Sullivan County. One of the highest per capita of opioid deaths outside of New York City is happening here in Sullivan County. And Joe, you've been covering this this uh, topic for the Sullivan County Democrat. What have you learned this past year? Fentanyl is like the big concern that a lot of people have brought forth and the dangers associated with it. You know, rainbow, rainbow fentanyl, which is out there, uh, which is being targeted towards younger kids and, and, and people. Um, and, uh, you know, in fact, the DEA for the country announced this week that they seized more fentanyl, enough fentanyl across the country this year that could potentially dosage-wise kill every American, um, which just shows you how crazy it is that this drug is making its way into our our, our country and, and is, of course, causing so much havoc um, with overdoses and such. But I will say that, um, you know, big takeaways from this year is that even though it doesn't seem like we're making a dent in the crisis, um, when you're looking at all these overdoses and these paramedics are going to have to do Narcan and the same individuals over and over again, there are some positive things happening. The, uh, the county drug task force, uh, has created a plan to use opioid settlement monies that the state has secured, um, through the attorney general and such, who's been taking these opioid manufacturers and, and distributors to task and, uh, in court, um, that they're going to use that money for to combat the opioid crisis in our communities. And two really big, um, 
things that came this year were the uh, was a uh, bridge back to life, a mobile treatment unit, um, which uh, last January came to the county and has been making stops different parts of the county, brings the treatment to people in these rural communities, which has been a big, uh, big resource. And the other big thing is back uh, earlier this fall, uh, Lexington Recovery, uh, Lexington Center for Recovery had brought the first of its kind methadone dosing unit. Uh, to uh, Sullivan County, and, and we have the first one in the state of its kind, and that's at, under the DA's office, and they're planning on bringing a, um, another one to the county's uh, uh, campus, uh, health campus, uh, sometime in the future as well. So, so those are two really big resource things that we have in our community to combat the opioid crisis, and of course, the continued funds that are also more money is expected to come in from these settlements. Um, you know, is, is what they're looking at, the drug task force, and that to see how we can use this to, to combat uh, this terrible uh, issue in our community. So, so it'll be something that's not going away and I'm sure we'll be covering a lot of it, um, you know, in future years, but at least, you know, there are a lot of people who are dedicating a lot of time and are working incredibly hard to try to make an impact and make things better. So I commend them for that. We were talking to Joseph Abraham, managing editor for the Sullivan County Democrat. Joseph, thank you so much for this past year. All the things, all the reports you have done for the local edition, all the reports you've done for the Reporters Roundtable. It has been fantastic. I look forward to working with you in the new year. So happy new year, Joe. All right. Looking forward to it. Happy new year to everyone. For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Rabayo. Okay, thank you so much, Patrizio, for that report. Thank you, as always, to Joe Abraham. Thank you, listener, for listening, and please do be listening with us all week long here on the Local Edition as we wrap up 2022, get ready for 2023, and this is our last week of programs for the year. I've been your host, Jason Dole. I'll be back tomorrow evening. We'll be talking to climate reporter Lissa Harris about the year that was in climate news in New York State. It was a pretty big year. That'll be coming up tomorrow right here on the local edition. Coming up now, next, Laura Flanders' show. Stay tuned. This is Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from The DeBruce in Livingston Manor, New York, an award-winning restaurant and internationally recognized hotel overlooking the Willowemic Valley. TheDeBruce.com From The Cooperage Project in Honesdale Dedicated to building community through performance, learning, markets, and good times. TheCooperageProject.org And from listeners like you.